Good morning, LBC Radio. My name is Corey Rosen, and you're listening to The Story Podcast. Today I have on a super awesome guest, but before we get into that, if you would like to support my show and the podcast, please be sure to check out the shop at facebook.com forward slash the story Corey Rosen. We have these awesome stickers you can buy, and we have shirts and hoodies with the logo and the first 50 guests on the back. But those are limited edition. Be sure you get them now before they run out in September. Today. I have on Connor Devlin. Howdy. Connor Devlin is from Schuylkill. Schuylkill. Oh, yeah, Schuylkill. Schuylkill Haven, yeah. Pennsylvania. Played in with the Reading Buccaneers and Blue Coats Drum and Bugle Corps. Played with and directed bands at Hershey Park and directed at Dorney Park. Connor started Big Boy Brass in 2016, as well as his other band, Street Beans, in 2022. Currently, Connor plays with both of his bands and freelances all the time with a lot of great bands. Connor went to Millersville University for music ed, taught public school in Harrisburg for five years, and then retired to pursue music full-time. You can find him on Instagram at Connor.Devlin, Big Boy Brass at Big Boy Brass, and all the others are in the description below. How are you doing today? Oh, doing so good. Thanks for having me, Corey. Yeah, man. I'm super excited. You are one of the only <laughs> big brass bands in Lancaster, right? Oh, yeah. I think we're the only brass band. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if there's any. Well, I'll tell you what. Ones. You're probably one of the only. Oh, wait. Wait, there is one. Oh, there is? Yeah. A couple McCaskey kids. See, I used to teach at McCaskey with uh, Matt Woodson, uh, marching band. And some of those guys actually got together a those boys brass. So a little competition those on the street. Those boys brass. Oh, yeah, yeah. As opposed to big boys. Yeah, that, that's not the big boys. That's those boys. That'd you be know? funny if they named themselves the small boys brass. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> but you're one of the uh, one of the only sousaphone players in like a 20-mile radius, probably. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, because of that, I get, like, I play with Snack Time down in Philly, play with Ocean Avenue Stompers down in Jersey. And I make make a lot of connections through that, so that's why I was able to retire. <laughs> I'm 28, so tell me, tell yeah. me what started that journey for you as a kid. What was it that got you into music, got you into playing uh, instruments? So I think like my earliest memory where I was just like really affected. I was at a block party as a little kid, and I remember just the bass drum, like the thump of the bass drum. Hitting I just it. felt it in yeah. my chest, you know. And it, I think it just like hits different when you're a little kid. You know, it like shakes your entire body. Yeah, yeah. So ever, ever, for, ever since that, that was, uh, you know, that that always comes to mind. Um, like, I always liked messing around on the acoustic guitar. Like, I never had one, or like the piano, you know. But the rare chances you get to is pretty dope. So I got to fourth grade, and uh, my parents had like uh, some like rent to own program through the school. Played trumpet, so. Yeah, I was playing trumpet for a while. Got to uh, high school. Uh, I went to a really small school, and they were like, "Oh, we need a tuba player." Connor, can you play tuba? And I was like, "Yeah, whatever. Yeah, whatever. You know, I don't care. I I'd like to play the most biggest and obnoxious instrument. So let's get down." And that's what happened. It's it's a lot of fun to play this instrument. <clears throat> yeah, man. Yeah, it's a whole vibe. You know, it makes a scene. You can't just walk in a place quietly. You, you know, <laughs> you can't walk into a place with, with a sousaphone player and just ignore them. Yeah, it does command all your attention. Yep. So, so what was it like uh, after high school playing the sousaphone? Did you have to buy one? Did they let you use a school mm. one? How did you? What, what was what was next from there? Well, I was anti sousaphone as a anti- tuba player. I was anti sousaphone because. Uh, I was in the drum and bugle corps. It's kind of like the NFL of like marching band. Of course, you know? yeah. It's some cult stuff, but it the is. people that were in it, you know, they would say it's cult stuff, and I say that very lovingly. Mm-hmm. And they were all about, you know, shoulder tubas, no sousaphones. So when I got to Millersville, um, my second year, they used uh, sousaphones, and uh, I, I thought this thing sucks. You know, it's out of tune. It's it- too heavy. <laughs> Yeah, the sousaphone is the one that wraps around you, right? Yep. And uh, when I fell in love with the sousaphone is at uh, Hershey Park. So I Mm. had to to acquire one. My first year, I I stole it from Millersville. But it's been returned, (laughs) you know. And uh, 
I did it for three more years, and I, I finally got a, a Suzuvo my second year. I did yard work and uh, paid a couple hundred bucks for it. There you go. So, yeah, and then that Suzuvo's taken me pretty far. But, uh, you know, it was at Hershey where I uh, started to play without sheet music, where I started to play more styles like jazz and pop and, mm. you know, funk, where you play more by ear and improvise more. So that as a tuba player, you know, you're you're very classically trained. So um it's been a journey, of course. <laughs> Getting rid of the sheet music. But now I'm anti sheet music and now I'm pro really? sousaphone. That's right. I can't imagine being anti sheet music. Yeah, man, I'm anti sheet music. I say uh I mean uh come at me. <laughs> Get in the comments, all right? I'm anti sheet music. I think that if you're playing music should be from the soul you know and the sheet music's good you can learn a lot of tunes that way and if you know the piece of music and you're just using the sheet music for reference you can still put a lot of passion into oh, it for but... sure, right no i i that I, that's fair <clears throat> if you're only using the sheet music because you're sticking to the material unless it's something classical then you're kind of missing the point yeah that's fair but in classical music there were guys that improvised. Oh, for sure. Cadenzas right. and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now the cadenzas are written out. I always tell my guys, if you're reading music, you're not playing music. Mm. That's fair. Sorry, Corey. Well, no, well, I mean, <laughs> well, because sheet music takes you only so far. If you need to learn a piece, you need sheet music, right? Well, but unless you're a prodigy, unless you learn, learn it by, by ear. ear, right? But it's not a prodigy thing. It's like the first song takes a long time, and then every song after that takes a little bit less. Because you can learn these tricks. And the thing is, like, classical music, yeah, you it would take a long, long time. But if you're comfortable transcribing jazz, because jazz is very difficult. Oh, it's very difficult. You can transcribe anything. Because you, you just learn the forms, you learn the scales, and it just all starts to make sense, you know? And, and it, it forces you to hear it in your head, really mm. listening to the music, you know? That's fair. I I've seen uh, older people just look looking at sheet music for days, and I know what's going on in their head. Oh they yeah, can hear, they can hear everything. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. I can't do that. I don't sit down with my Beethoven scores, and uh, <laughs> that's probably because you've never. I don't own any Beethoven scores. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, no that's... tuba. Beethoven was anti tuba. Did what you know that? No, it... I don't think it existed yet. So oh, that's what I was about to say. Yeah. I don't Very think sad. It if dude, if. The tuba existed when Beethoven was alive. He'd be a tuba player for sure. <laughs> Come on, man. I think I'm pretty sure concert tuba. It's a different conversation. Uh, but uh, so how did how did you learn to become more of a, a marching band style? How does how does that work? What are some of the tunes? Obviously, the Saints Go Marching In is a, is a is a classic. But mm -hmm. how, how did you learn those base basic songs? Uh, well, the tradition of sousaphone and jazz, I think it goes back to pretty much New Orleans. So I listened yeah. to a lot of New Orleans stuff and uh, the way they played. And they typically play a lot less busy than a bass would play because you have to keep breathing a bunch of air in, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you, can't, you have to breathe. So there's like a beauty in the simplicity mm. and how they repeat and the style and the feel. So I think listening to a lot of the New Orleans stuff and learning what they're doing, the tunes are some of the tunes are so simple, you know. Mm. Do what you wanna, just boom, boom, doo, you know, the whole time. And I think there's a beauty in that simplicity, you know. Um, <clears throat> so it was in 2015. It was at Hershey Park, and uh, that's when I started to do jazz. And I'd go to jam sessions, and I'd have my real book, you know, mm -hmm. and I'd show up to the jam sessions. And uh, they'd love it. You know, it was a novelty. At the jam session I would mainly go to, they didn't have a bass player. Mm. So they were actually content with me just, like, being up there, doing my best, you know? Right. Um, like, I remember this one time we were playing uh, Night in Tunisia. You know that tune? Yeah. And they were like, yeah, when we get to the B section, take it out to lunch. Yeah, yeah. They were all like, they were all like, yeah, take it out to lunch. They were loving it. And before I could even... Take a breath to say what's what's taken out the lot. <laughs> the tune was already counted in. We were already off to the races. So I've definitely had some trial by fire moments. Well, that's the best learning yeah. experience too. Yeah, but the thing is, developing your ear, that has led me to play with so many groups that I 
I would have had no business playing with because I don't know all the licks. I'm not the best. I'm from the middle of nowhere. Right. You know, but what I do bring is my vibe and I'll be on my toes. I'll do I'll do my best to actively listen and get in there. And no matter what, you're going to have a party on the stage all the time. You got to bring the party. I, I bring the party. You know, that's something I, I yeah. constantly seen is yeah. every time Connor's done with the gig, he's drenched. I bring out my shirt after every set. And sometimes their shirts get destroyed. They, yeah, my shirt. Yeah, I can show you a picture. Maybe instead of the headshot, we could just use that picture. <laughs> yeah. You can, are you allowed to put nipples on there, or is that? I would refrain. <laughs> okay. Is this the worst episode you've ever done so far? No, not at okay. all, actually. I but um, this one's pretty bad. Well, well, I'm curious. Like, what what we'll is set some the of the bar con- low? <laughs> Go on. Sorry, I'm. <laughs> no. What are some of the concerns that you have with the sousaphone? Because you got to worry about your shirts. You got to worry about your your breathing. Got to worry about your posture. You can injure yourself very easily with the sousaphone. Yeah. Um. I typically don't think about any of that stuff. I think. Uh, I typically think about breaking my sousaphone because the, my first sousaphone is from 1940, so it's just like always breaking. And I recently got a new one that was broken, of course. (laughs) So I basically just like am constantly fixing them and then like one will break and I'll just use the backup. So it's nice that I finally have two, Mm. whereas opposed to back in the day, I would just have to like scrounge for a sousaphone, you know, just hit up everybody and their mother. Like you got any tubas, sousaphones? I noticed you are storing these flowers in the bell of the sousaphone in uh, your mother's basement. I'm wondering if I could maybe use that. Use the rest of it. <laughs> yeah. Let me get that tuba. <laughs> yeah, man. Do you have any tubas? But, uh, I mean, for breathing, you know, there's the breathing gym. Um, you're supposed to run. You know, running is good for you. Just staying healthy. Um, I stretch. Um, I'm, I'm like, kind of stocky. You know, I used to be, like, 280. Now I'm, like a, like, a healthy 225. A happy, jolly 225. So I think like, you know, I kind of conditioned my body by drinking two liters of Pepsi every night um, while playing Halo 3. Shout out Halo 3. And, uh, you know, I was uh, I had that fat boy status, got those thick, thick thighs. So I'm made for the sousaphone, you know. It's a part of me. Big boy brass. What yes, sir. Say? <laughs> yeah. People, that's, just so you know, that's the name of the band. Yeah, yeah, yeah Like if you sure, see yeah. me around, like... My name's Connor, like, not Big Boy Brass. Like, people are just like, Big Boy Brass! You know, oh, clipping. That was too loud, I'm sorry. No, you good, you good. That's how they say it, though. So, uh, what was the process of creating Big Boy Brass? <clears throat> the process? So, it was my third year at Hershey. And, uh, well, it was actually my second year. And me and two of the other guys that we were at the Hershey Park Band. It was a strolling band. Paid great. Best summer job. They're actually looking for a trumpet and a tuba player right now to replace who they got, I think. But like it pays like like six hundred bucks a week, five shows a day, wow. six days a week. I did it for four years throughout college and then ended up like directing some of the groups. Super fun time. Uh you really work on your performance chops. Changed my life, you know. Well, me and the drummer and a trombone player, we did a side gig in Westchester and we were walking back to our cars after the gig and somebody was like and in Westchester, it's a pretty ritzy area, you know. Um, somebody was like, oh, man, can you guys play something for us? And we're like, no, nah, we're tired. We're walking back to our cars. It's late. <clears throat> I don't want to disturb the peace. And they were like, we'll give you $20. And I'm like, yep. So All we right. play Saints Go Marching In. 20 from them, 20 from somebody else, some ones, you know. And, you know, the light bulb went off. Like, yo, we could do something. We could make more money probably playing on the street than we do at the park, you know? And contractually, we weren't able to play the Hershey Park music on the street, so we were mm-hmm. just kind of, like, making it up. So, like, the next day, we went out to Lancaster first Friday, and ever since then, we've busted on the street, and it, it went great. Um, now, the Hershey musicians, they lived far away. They would go to those good jazz schools. They would go to Berkeley, mm-hmm. University of Illinois, you know? U, UMass, UArts, and they would come up. So they would live in some apartments by Hershey. So once they they were gone for the fall, we still wanted to have a band, um, Matt Woodson and I. And uh, we got I got some of my homies from Millersville that I played in a brass quintet with, you know, uh, Vinny Shakora, 
Tim Zettelmore, shout out Michael Duncan, Brian McGlashan, you know, the OGs. And uh, basically since then, you know, the lineup has changed, but we try and every time, every time somebody leaves, we try and get somebody that fills their shoes and, you know, it's been five years. So it's been, it's been a long time. What, um, yeah, I guess that answers your question. I'm, I'm good at rambling too. I can ramble on about anything. Well, that's the, um, yeah. that's why uh, podcasts are awesome. I love podcasts. <laughs> yeah. So uh, tell me about the process of creating street beans. That's with uh, Rory Rush, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So the beans. So the big boys, you know, they started making making a bunch of money and they don't want to play on the street anymore. You know, I give them I give them uh, a hard time for it. <laughs> I say, you know, are you hungry? Are you still hungry? Because I'm hungry. My favorite place to play is on the street because. Mm-hmm. The, you see in real time how the people react to what you're doing. So if it's good, you're getting paid. If it's not good, you're not making money. Making money. If we don't make a lot of money, I say to the guys, we just didn't play good enough. <laughs> you know, it's just facts. So it was uh, 2021, me and Dominic Mascaro, who's one of the big boys, and uh, Rory. We, um, I was a big fan of Rory's music. So like I hit up Rory once and Rory like, kind of ghosted me you know before Rory even knew me like I was like yo you seem cool we should uh we should hang out you know and he was like oh yeah we'll totally hang didn't hear from him yeah right (laughs) didn't hear from him until eventually one day we ended up jamming outside of his house and then I didn't talk to him for like another year and then like a year later we became friends which is sometimes sometimes you know you just meet somebody and you know they're going to be a big part of your life you just don't know how or when but you know I think you just kind of feel it when it happens. I think that's why I reached out because I just saw the crazy music that Rory was making and I'm like, I I want that. You know, that energy, that's that's what's up. So me, Rory, and Dom just went out, Central Market, good busking scene, you know. If you try to know the busking spots, I could tell you the spots. I know where to busk. You know, I know how to do it. I've been doing it for since twenty fifteen. So we went out, made money. More friends joined. We got trumpet player Owen on trumpet. We got John Dead on sax. We got Rachel on vocals. Shout out Abby White on guitar. Yeah, Avery Moat. He's got the uh, nice aux setup. <clears throat> I think that's everybody. If I forgot somebody, I'm going to feel real bad. That's okay. You'll find them on Instagram. Yeah, man. <laughs> nice. Yeah, but uh, Street Beans, it's been, it's less, less jazzy, you know, less. It's more Big boy brass, we play a lot of like the New Orleans feel, mm-hmm. but with street beans, we're trying to do more like hardcore, punk, funk. Yeah, know. it's a and and plus you know the classics that you got to hear on like September and oh yeah, stuff, right? Yeah, for weddings, you know, if right. they're paying, if they're paying. <laughs> yeah, like, that's what surprised me. One of the things that surprised me when I went to your show at the Trap List was mm-hmm. you guys just went. Mm-hmm. and didn't stop yeah and it every single song flowed right into the next song no stopping it was yeah straight no no intro no nothing just right into the next one and it yeah it's crazy yeah we try to do it like acoustic dj style mm. you know um that's how a lot of great bands that i've like sat in with like uh snack time down in philly are you familiar with snack time I'm not familiar with anybody. Snack Time has a new album out. Just came out. Awesome. They play the halftime shows for the 76ers. Oh, wow. They're they're incredible. And uh, I, from playing with them, I played I played a three-hour gig. They played in one key the whole time. The whole thing was an E. That's kind of nice, though. Even if I didn't know the songs, it was all an E. Yeah. It was like, That's I don't know. That's reliable. Yeah. They, they're just built different in Philly. Philly jazz musicians, like, if you're trying to play jazz, I feel like Philly is a great spot. Because it's not as hard as, like, New York City. You don't got to move to L.A., <laughs> you know? Right. That they have these awesome, like, some of the best jazz, like, in the world. Like, and I don't know, what does my opinion matter? But time on a Sunday night, it's a place called Time. Sunday nights in Philly. It's like, you know, Adele's piano player was there the last time I went, and, like, just shushed the whole room right. with just, you know, just piano. 
That's crazy. Yeah. That's, yeah I, gotta, I, 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 I forget what out. the question was. I got a no, it's, it's, little sidetracked. Well, fine. I, I got to get out to Philly one of these days and just go explore the music scene. Yeah. I'll I'll totally go with you. Yeah. You want to come? We're going to Chris's on Thursday. Thursday. <laughs> you want to come? Yeah. Chris's Jazz Cafe. I know you're a busy boy. I know. I'm a very yeah. busy boy. Yeah, but we, we try and do the acoustic DJ thing. We try and just go mm-hmm. song to song to song. That way... My 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 whole philosophy with it is like um, less talking, more playing. We're here to play. If they're on the dance floor, like I've been on the dance floor getting all sweaty, thinking like, yeah, I'll do one more, you know. But if the music never stops, like DJs, they they don't stop the music. Yeah, they keep it job, going, man. you know. They keep it going, and that way it just escalates. And it, it, it it's it's always. It's always the song you don't expect, or or the yeah. song, or the song that it, that it just it clicks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you go from September, which is all just the the party song of all big brass, right? Yeah. And then you go right into Uptown Funk. It's like I can't leave the dance floor now. No. Yeah, you can't. Mm-hmm. And then and then you go on to do Celebrate, and it's like I can't leave now. Yeah, got him. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it just keep them on, keep pulling them on, because yep. people people will get tired. But mm-hmm. if you keep playing uh, these high energy songs. Uh, or and you pull out something something like uh, rude mm-hmm. out, out of left field, be like, ah, oh, I, I haven't heard that in years. Yep. Yeah, and just keep them on the keep them on the dance floor. Mm-hmm. It, what and it's <clears throat> some doing something that most uh, shows aren't anymore, where they have like a like a five minute break, then their next set, right? Yeah. The thing is, musicians think they're great at banter, but like we're really not. You know. Yeah. You're gonna do music unless you're like Jack Stratton, or like I don't know who like else can do comedian. banter. Yeah, I don't know. You know, I do. I do the banter. I be- I beg for tips and stuff. You know, but that's that's the extent of my banter. Like, we try and do it no talking, mm. just that's none. <laughs> you know, that's the best way to do it. Yeah, don't mess up your set by talking. Yeah, because they're like, oh, these cool musicians playing on stage and then they get on the mic and start telling these corny jokes and it's like ah oh, man I'm, uh, well, I'm gonna go <laughs> I'm gonna go somewhere else you're, you're, you're musicians yeah <laughs> yeah your jokes suck right <laughs> yeah unless you got a backstory to this track I don't want to hear it yeah I don't even want to hear the backstory really like yeah because the thing with the music it could be interpreted and interpreted <laughs> interpreted in many ways uh, uh yeah so um you know, you shouldn't tell people what to think. No, that's fair. Yeah. Well, so what is it like to uh, build your entire life around music to go full time with music? That uh, you don't mm-hmm. have to have a day job; you can just do gigs all the time. What is what? What are some of the things you have to worry about? Some of the things you have to think about? Some of the things you have to do in order to do that? Yeah. Okay, so it, it took me five years to kind of get established and. You know, I've heard people say, like, give yourself five to ten years of just being a professional musician. Like, and that, this was from a guy in, in New York City saying this. If you can't do it in five to ten years, maybe find something else to do. Because you only live for so long, you know? Of course. Um, well, I was working a full-time job. And then at night, I would do my passion project, which was the brass band. And I got to a point with teaching where... Like, I, I joke around and tell people I retired, but what really happened is I burned out. After mm-hmm. five years, I left that place in tears. Harrisburg School District, it was tough, man. You know, teachers teachers don't get enough credit, you know. The kids give them a hard time. The parents give them a hard time. The admin gives them a hard time. And teachers aren't allowed to say that they're struggling. You know, you're supposed to say, I love it. I love the kids. Because you do love the kids, and you do want to make a difference. But our society capitalizes on people with big hearts. They're going to do those jobs no matter how much they're disrespected or how little they're paid. So I left that place and it turns out I was making enough money just off of music. I was just hustling hard enough that I could actually make more money playing the tuba than what a teacher makes, which is pathetic. You know, these kids, I'm just going on stage, getting all sweaty, making a ruckus. Like these teachers are shaping the, the future of our society yeah you know <clears throat> well but now i'm having a great time basically what I, all i try and do is make a hundred dollars a day if i can't make a hundred dollars today then i'll make up for it tomorrow you know i still teach private lessons 
basically like Tuesdays and Wednesdays are the slower days. So I teach private lessons those days. Mm. And then every other day I just gig. Like tonight I'm going to New Jersey to play with uh, the Ocean Avenue Stompers. Pretty hyped about that. Uh, you know, this weekend taking uh, the Street Beans to Charlottesville. They got a dope busking scene down there. Charlottesville, South Carolina? Virginia. Virginia, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you can make like 1500 in like an hour and a half, two hours in a little pedestrian mall. That's wild. I know the spots, Corey. Get a battery, take the keys out, ditch the sheet music. I got to come out with you some of these <laughs> It's the best place because you're playing for anybody. Right. And... Um, that's something I've always wanted to do is just busk. I, I don't, I don't want to necessarily make a living out of it, but I just want to say I've done it. You got to make your own opportunities that, as a musician. That's the thing as a tuba player. Most bands don't have a tuba player. Make your own band, right? Yeah. You don't have any gigs. Go play on the street. doesn't matter what kind of band you are. It doesn't matter if you're playing original music. If y'all got electronics busking law is you can play anywhere you want until they make you leave. Just go that's do fair. it. Yeah. Like, I honestly, that's that's all I know. That's my whole story. I just played on the street, got lucky. Now I get to do it for fun. And hey, who cares if you know you get you get to play for fun? That's do your practice yeah. time outside, right? Yeah, that's why I do at Buchanan Park. Yeah, yeah. I try and I play this fun cat and mouse game. Do, you, do any of the cops listen to this? Probably. Okay, I do this I fun. I don't know if you want to out yourself, though. No, no, no. It's fun. It makes it fun. There's more cat and mouse. But I do this fun <laughs> game where I go to Buchanan Park in Lancaster, and I play in the middle of the night. That's when I like to practice. But, like, as a tuba player, I can practice then. And I just play till like, the cops. I see them rolling down the driveway, and then I duck into the bushes. It's, it's a fun game, you know? It's really easy to shed your lines when there's the pressure. The pressure's right, on. Course. You know? But, yeah, you just got to play every day. Like... I feel like professional musicians can reach their level of whatever. And people call them prodigies or geniuses or whatever. When in reality, they just do it every day. Yeah, it's just practice. But if you're working 40 hours a week, which we, we have to do in the society, you have to make money. You know, they'll squeeze you out of all your money. You have to pay money just to exist. You got to pay money you know? for your job. So I'm not, I'm not shaming anybody for not playing every day. But I'm, all I'm saying is like since I've played every day, I notice what I hear in my head is more closely what comes out of the instrument, mm. you know? That's what I got. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, another question I have is how do you, uh, so it's all busking. Where do you find these spots? How do you find these spots? Uh, do you have to do your research? What research do you, does that include? Mm-hmm. So I'm not a research guy. I'm pretty like, you know, I just uh, <laughs> try stuff out and see what works. So we we discovered Phoenixville. I never went to Phoenixville ever. You ever been to Phoenixville? Phoenixville, Pennsylvania? Yep. No. You ever been to Westchester? I have been to Westchester. So we were busking in Westchester, and Westchester was great. We'd make like over a thousand, you know, each, each round. We would be on the corner of High and Gay, uh, right across from the Iron Hill, until this year, before we even... Played a note. The cops said, you got to get a permit. So we said, mm -hmm. okay. You know, so they shut us down. And we're like, we'll get our permits. But in the meantime, you know, everybody was bummed. We we're like, oh, we drove all the way out here from Lancaster. Now we got to drive all the way home. And, uh, you know, we decided, let's let's just try and go to Phoenixville. We hear Phoenixville's uh, lit, as the kids say. And uh, we gave it a shot. And it turns out it's way better than Westchester. Wow. Yeah. So some other good spots, Lancaster Central Market, of course, you know, Tuesday, Friday, and Saturday mornings. Uh, you could make upwards of 900 if you play at the right time. Yeah. I mean, you got to be good, too. Of course. You of know, course. If, you're, if you're not killing, people aren't going to pay as much. Another good spot, uh, Rittenhouse Square in Philadelphia. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, it's tough, tough with the cops there, but there's some tricks. On Sundays, you can play in the park. And they won't really shut you down. Now you can't have amplification. We, we've discovered the amplification. That's like for means of getting shut down a lot. Uh, right. We use a battery with monitors for the vocals and uh, guitar amp. And uh, you're good with amplification in Phoenixville, Lancaster, um, Rittenhouse Square is probably not going to fly in Philly. Mm. I all you got to do is find somewhere with foot traffic and just try it. You know. 
that's one thing I didn't in, in New York is there's a uh, there's an island out there. It looks like it's just a bunch of gigantic golf tees. I don't know if you've ever been there. Oh. Um, but uh, oh, I've seen that thing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's like a floating man-made island. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so uh, on on that foot trail there, there's there's this art. Uh, it's it's art you can touch, but it's this art music thing. Uh, so it's like a a nine, uh, a three by three square of bells. You just step on them and they make bell. It's oh, like like FOA yeah. shorts, but you know only uh, nine notes. Yeah. So, so I messed around. I was there on New Year's Eve and uh, I I was just started messing around on it and the people started. Uh, watching me, yeah, and I was like, "Is am I doing it?" Did you have the bucket out? Did you have the no, bucket out? No, I didn't have anything. Oh, I, you gotta I was, put the bucket I, out. I, well, I also felt bad because some of the kids wanted to come over and play as well. Yeah, because it, it's not mine; it's you know yep. the cities. So I mm-hmm. didn't know I didn't know how to do how to balance that. And uh, I want I wanted to go back and learn, <laughs> and uh, you know, because it's it's not it's not like a perfect major scale at all. Mm-hmm. It's like it's it was me. It was clearly made to play something. Yeah, because uh, I figured out some Christmas tunes. On it. Oh yeah, nice. <laughs> but um, I, I I'm always curious. Like, what if I went back there, just learned it, and just put out a hat or a, a bucket? Yeah, man. There's like a thousand people walking through that. It's worth a shot. Like. It couldn't right. hurt. It couldn't. It can't hurt. Yeah. Right. Just a three-hour drive to New York City. It's fine mm-hmm. with no parking. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. With the bucket, the bucket philosophy. You want as many buckets as possible and keep them empty. People think, oh, let me warm it up. Throw a dollar or two in there. No, it actually works better if you have empty buckets. Because people are like, oh, I'll give them. Yeah, they, it. it's like, oh, these guys are making nothing, and they're really good. And then literally do they know the trombone case is full. Full. It's packed. So That's funny. I swear. Yep. I wonder if they uh, do that with, like, bucket drumming. What? Put buckets out? Uh, well, they, they, they Hide they just, the buckets? No, they, they stuff Hide the, the money. money up in the, in the bucket. If they were smart, you make more money doing that. We yeah. we discovered that in Westchester when the cop was like, "I'm gonna shut you guys down if you don't keep that bucket empty," and we did. We kept the bucket empty and we made like twice as much as we norm used to do, mm. just from keeping a full bucket. Because people see a full bucket and they're like, "Oh, they're fine. They're, they're taken fine. care of. I'm yeah. just gonna enjoy the music." That's very fair. Yeah. Busking 101. Yeah. So. Tell me about uh, what's the what's one of the best ways to practice. One of the best ways to uh, to learn philosophy as a musician. Mm. Okay, so I learned this from uh, Tuberid, and uh, I took his name's Devin Taylor. I took some lessons from him uh, over COVID. He like most recently played on the Super Bowl with uh, Snoop Dogg. Yeah, yeah. If you look at like the halftime show, there's a Suzanne player. That's Tuberid. He's played with like postmodern jukebox and stuff. He's played with everybody. Oh, that's sick. Yeah, and he's the best. And what he would do, he would make me transcribe stuff, and I would have to sing the whole thing in tune just from my head before I played it. And it was hard, you know? Yeah. I usually didn't do that. Um, and it was like a magic trick. When I finally could sing it in my head, when I finally put it on the instrument, it's like it just came out. You know, like that, that's, what's wild about music. So many times we don't hear it in our head and we're just trying to get the notes out, but we really, you just got to hear it in your head. And like teachers all the time will say, Oh, did you hear it in your head? Did you hear it in your head? And that you got to teach that, you know, asking somebody, did you hear it in the head? You're there. Of course they're going to go. Yeah, of course I hear it in my head. You right, know? right. But they really don't. So it's really like, if you can't sing it, you can't play it. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to be able to sing it. So I mean I mean that's kind of like my philosophy. Um you ever read the music lesson by Victor Wooten? Uh no. Oh man. So this book's great and something that he says in this is, you know, music we we kind of don't teach it correctly because like when you learn to speak Corey, did your parents sit you down with the vocab words, make you write? Sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well when you were a little but baby, no, no, when no, you first learned to talk, how'd they do it? They just talk, talk to you, to right? Me, yeah. They just talk to you. Say mama. Well, the best musicians are the ones that grow up just playing the music, mm-hmm. not not studying the staff. Now, you need to know that stuff. I mean, you don't need to, but knowing that stuff helps. Yeah, it makes you a lot more versatile. But um, what's more important is just building your vocabulary by listening and playing it. You know, I've only been playing jazz for seven years. You know, I, there's people I play with. They've been playing jazz since they were like babies <laughs> mm-hmm. you know and it, it goes to show you know 
I mean, the longer you do something, the better you're going to be. You know, the more hours you put in. But yeah, anyway, I mean, Victor Wooten just says, like, music's a language. It should be taught more like by ear, mm-hmm. not by paper, you know? Well, that's very, it's. That's it's, why I'm anti sheet music. That's why I'm anti sheet yeah. music. I'm coming for the sheet music industry. <laughs> you hear me? So tell me some of the the unique stuff you can do with a sousaphone that uh, people might not know about. Well, number one, you can play without electricity. I can play in the rain. You know, guitar players are real cool till it rains. (laughs) What are you going to do? Huh? You're not going to play in the rain. Um, You can conduct lightning. Very good with a sousaphone. Yeah, that's right. A lot of sousaphone players get struck by lightning. So I got to be very careful. You know, if it's raining, I'm good. But if the lightning, the lightning scares me. It's my weakness. My one weakness. Um, yeah, so, Either way, it's too powerful. <clears throat> mm-hmm. So also with the sousaphone, and this comes from a lot of New Orleans stuff, you know, you could do the woof, which is like, it's like the bass equivalent of the woof, you know? Oh, yeah. um, that's like a New Orleans thing. Um, with tuba, I mean, I don't know, man. Circular, unique stuff circular, circular breathing. i can't circular breathe on tuba i don't know breathe. anybody that can circular breathe on tuba yeah it takes too much air it takes true. a lot of air plus like with tuba you want to get that relaxed air mm. you know i don't know let me think what else is special about the sousaphone um you can knock a person out with it yeah <laughs> you could definitely do that um i don't know it's it's like it's not the best instrument you know but uh, somebody's got to do it. And luckily, not enough people do it. So you don't even have to be that good. Like, that's the thing. Like, nobody does it. Guitar, trumpet, you got to be really good. Sousaphone, like, you know, I'm not good. <laughs> but since I play an instrument, nobody plays. I'm in there. Yeah, it's wild to me. All the, uh, the like, unique uh, out-of-nowhere out instruments that you that nobody plays. I have an accordion. If I learned how to play basic stuff on that accordion, yeah. I'm sure I'd get all sorts of gigs with that. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, well, I mean, you got yeah. and you got to make space for yourself too. Yeah. Like, I played I play the accordion. I learned in high school, taught myself the accordion. And uh this one guy always wanted me, my a good friend of mine always wanted me to play in a poker band, and I always said no. I only did it once for his his senior recital, but I mean you gotta you gotta love polkas. Do you love polkas? No, but I can learn. Do you to. love like hipster kind of indie music? It would depend. I I'd I feel like to... the accordion could be at a home there. It doesn't. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Beirut, Beirut. You know that band? Uh, I've heard of it. I, they I, have an accordion. I well, I know because accordion is also good in Celtic music as well. Oh yeah. So. And there's a, for whatever reason, there's a big Celtic scene around here. Well, yeah, of course. Well, I feel like it's because, like, one of the biggest venues is Telus, too. That's also true, yeah. You know, good Irish pub. Shout out Telus 360. Shout out Telus 360. They have an open mic tonight. I'm going to be there. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what's next for you, do you think? What's next? Um, well, definitely going to, we've been writing music with the beans, Definitely going to put out a bean tape coming soon. Um, You know, right now, I'm in my first year being a professional musician. I'm just trying to hustle and trying to make a living. Doing what I love, playing music. So, that's that's what it's about. That's my next step. Tell me about a time when you messed up. Yeah. And what you had to do to fix that or Etc. Etc. Et Ooh. Okay. So I've messed up plenty of times. You know, I got so many of these stories. One time, we were playing on the Telus rooftop. That's like where Big Boy Brass, like, uh, yeah, like we started playing on the rooftop and we kind of sucked. You know, we play the same songs every time, but uh, because you played every week, you know, you start to you start to see what the people like. You know, what works, and uh, <clears throat> we uh, left a soundboard out and it got rained on. It got ruined. So instead of soiling the relationship with uh, the booking person and uh, the venue, I just paid out of pocket for the soundboard. It hurt, but I thought I was doing the right thing. You know, 
So. It was their soundboard, or yeah, it was their soundboard. You borrowed? No, it was used. It was set up for the sound system that we were using, mm. and nobody put it away. So I felt responsible because I'm like, you know, I mean, maybe wow. there should have been a sound guy there, but uh, well, I even mean, still, it is what it is. Well, yes, you got to do that stuff to you know salvage relationships. The last thing you want to do is uh, salvage a relationship with one of the biggest you know, bars in town. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, tell us has been good to us, so. Tell me about it. Uh, another time. Another time, yeah. <laughs> another tell me, time, tell me more stories. I want to hear more stories. All right, so I was playing with the Oompadelics Oktoberfest band, and uh, this was through a production company, same production company that uh, I worked at uh, Dorney and uh, Hershey with. And uh, I get down to the boardwalk, and... Uh, I realized that I'd left my mouthpiece and my lead pipe for my sousaphone. So I'm like scrambling. It was terrible. You know, I'm wearing leader hosen. I'm supposed to be playing this, this German polka music and making a lot of money doing it. And, uh, you know, at the beach and I just called my boss and I'm like, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I don't, I don't have my stuff. And he's like, well, you better just dance around then. You better just dance, guy. You know, th just uh, go out there and dance with the band. And I really didn't want to do that. So I found an extra mouthpiece in my backpack, and uh, I duct taped it into the sousaphone and just held the sousaphone like terribly, pulled out all my slides. It did not sound good, but I think the people were having too much German beer to notice. Mm. I think they were just fine. And plus that style of music, I mean... Boom, 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 yeah, boom, right, right. Boom, just boom. It's all good. Walking around. It's all good. That's why I like playing the tuba. Low pressure. Very low pressure. Low pressure. Uh, what was it like to direct for some of these parks? What were some of the things you had to do? Oh, man. Like, at these parks, they hire the good horn players, and the good horn players are the jazz guys. No offense, classical musicians. Classical artists work very hard. But, I mean, you need... For the style of music to play commercial music, you gotta know jazz. You gotta know jazz. And uh, jazz musicians are um, a different breed. They're they're comically stiff, you know. In jazz, you're not supposed to smile. You're not really supposed to move. You're just kind of supposed to really? stand there. Jazz. Yeah. No, you're supposed to look cool. Like Miles Davis, like he just looks cool. You know, uh -huh. okay. he's not doing the two step. You know, <laughs> he's enough. he's like chilling. You know. Um, so my my job directing is mostly just loosening up the bands, teaching them bits. Mm. I got bits for days. You want to hear a bit? I want to hear a bit. All right. So one of the bits, <clears throat> um, we'd be like, yo, what's up, folks? We're the Hershey Park Band, and we could play any song. That's right. You name it. Beethoven to Beyonce. We could play anything you want. And uh, the people are like, we want to hear Don't Stop Believing. And then we would like, no, Don't Stop Believing. So of we course, would play it. But then they would say, I don't know, you give me something. Uh, play. What you got? Beethoven's Fifth Symphony. Beethoven's Fifth. All right. Uh, we would actually also play that. We'd play the, the disco one. But whatever. <laughs> let's, say, let's say Corey said. Rachmaninoff's uh, Second Sonata. Of course. We know, the, we know Rachmaninoff very well. Uh, and then we'd huddle it up. We'd be like, and in the huddle, we wouldn't even say anything. We'd just be like, break. And then we'd just count in the song. Never gonna give you up. Oh my gosh. Never gonna let you die. That's where we'd Rick roll them. Or play like Careless Whisper or something. So That's funny. It's fun making jazz musicians get out of their comfort zone. Um, a lot of times they've hated me for it. But the thing is, I'm in there for two weeks and I'm gone. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the beauty of being a director so yeah no that that type of stuff is awesome i i love that you know? you, one of the things uh that i uh, i have a story from disney world uh where i went and uh they, they had the walking marching bands there too. yeah and um they were doing saints go marching in yep uh, i wish i didn't sing on this video because it's a gold video <laughs> the the trumpet the main trumpet player just he's you know they're walking around the crowd and Smooth as butter. He starts. He, he starts making his way towards me. I'm not realizing it. He, he's coming to do something. He's just, you know, walking around. And yeah. as soon as he gets close enough, he goes. Ah, blah, 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 
right in my camera. <laughs> Classic. Classic. Yeah, was, man. He got you. He got me really good. It was the funniest thing, but as a, a core memory. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Those bands at Disney are killing. Oh, they're so good. Yeah. It was like this seven-year-old dude too. Yeah. So it was what it made it even funnier. Yep. And he could just relax and. To be fun, have fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, especially at a park, that's what you're there for. Yeah, have fun, be entertained. You, uh, I don't want to see a cool looking person. I want to see a funny, you know, dancing around, and having a, a party. Yeah, that's what yeah. surprises me. Though. I'd say I'd take the classical people to be more stiff than jazz. Yeah, they're both stiff, I guess. I guess so. <laughs> as far as horn players are concerned, you know. Mm. I feel like drummers, they they understand the entertainment aspect a little bit more. I think, you know, guitar, bass players, you know, they get it a little bit more than than horn players. Horn players want to look cool, you know? You know, you go to, like, the jam sessions, they're all, like, they're all, like, they look like they don't care, you know? Even though they've been at home shedding for, like, four hours a day learning <laughs> tunes. You know, but they look like they don't care. They look cool, you know? Right. Tell me about a time you played with a band that you had no business playing with. Okay, so this is the first time I played with uh, Snack Time and Questlove played. So, uh, yeah, so whenever I play with Snack Time, they shout out Sam Gellerstein, uh, tuba player, band leader for Snack Time, for letting me play. I think he was working or something, but we were playing the UArts commencement. And they don't send out any tunes, no set lists. It's just like, you show up and play, you know? And, uh... We're playing out there, and uh, Questlove was getting his honorary doctorate, and he took the drummer's sticks, and he just, like, he, like, forced his way on the drum set and just, like, started playing, and we were playing uh, Living for the City, Stevie Wonder, you know that song? Mm-hmm. And I just had to, I just laid out that, uh, that like, 3-4 section. It's, like, the little interlude. I just laid out and just, like, watched them all play. But, uh that was a time that was right as that was like right after i decided to be a professional musician you know that was like all the confirmation i needed you know all those times that i was practicing and like getting on everybody's nerves they all paid off for that moment you know and ever since then like a lot of people a lot more people have hit me up for gigs and directing stuff but i had no business being there (laughs) it was just the right time right place right time very lucky but you know whenever anybody tells me they just got lucky i always tell them you know luck's just uh what was it preparation meets opportunity yeah you know so i had no business playing with those guys but you you bet i know living for the city now i know it i know it in doll 12 keys you know (laughs) i mean it's not that hard of a song but it's right but you don't you gotta know it yeah yeah it's like you know, I feel like I'd be excused not knowing a song the first time. But the second time. But the second time, it's like, come on, you should have. You should have. Yeah. Realized. Yeah, of course. Yeah, no, that, that's something uh, that I, I'm struggling with all the time. It's like, well, uh, I know I know uh, this person wants me to play Someone Like You by, by Adele. Mm-hmm. I can, I'm really good at looking off a chord sheet and just doing yeah. it like that. Yep. However, if, if 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 it's expected that oh this is the, the go to song we're gonna play, yeah, I should practice that. Yeah, right, and that way that way they don't get mad at me or or whatever. Yeah, because the first time it's like okay I'm making a mistake. It's the first time we're ever doing something. Mm-hmm. But if if uh, the next time, um, and if it and if it's expected to do it again, you should definitely practice. Even if it's not, you should just learn the song to have another song under your belt. Yeah. Yeah, you got to learn it by heart, too, because let's say in a scenario where you've got the chord chart and you're good to go, but the singer really doesn't know where the bridge happens <laughs> and they yep. miss the bridge or they do it early. That's when knowing the song is king because you can just, oh, I just know that. I don't have to flip any pages. I don't have to adjust where my eyes are. Mm-hmm. Also, when you're not using sheet music, you can look at the audience and have a connection like I tell, I tell my guys, don't wear sunglasses. Mm. You know, if it's really sunny, yeah, wear sunglasses. But if it, we're in the shade, like you look real cool, but you're not making connections with people. I'm trying to stare into your soul <laughs> as I gyrate my hips with my large, large horn. You know what I mean? 
Yeah, it's it's uh, and not only that, but I was talking to Daryl Davis yesterday, and uh, he was talking about how you play with someone like Chuck Berry. Yeah, and it was you. You can know the song, you can study the studio version, play that a million times. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Chuck Berry is gonna do. He's he's gonna do what he's gonna do. He's gonna you know? do what he's gonna do. Yeah. The song leader is gonna do what they're gonna do. If you do it the same way every time, it gets boring. It's boring. He's yeah. been playing these these songs yeah. for fifty plus years. Yeah, he's not gonna play it the same way. And the funniest thing I I, I heard about it was that all of his intros are the same. It's <laughs> 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 so you got yeah. like five seconds to figure out okay which one of these songs is it Johnny Be Good is it is it what, what yeah is it? <laughs> yeah um and then uh to to look at the band leader and then know all of the movements that they make when they're cueing everybody. Yeah, if, if you put your foot down, that means you you gotta stop playing, or you gotta start playing, mm-hmm. or if he if he leans this way, it uh, you play. If he goes, if he does whatever, it means stop. Yeah, you can't learn that. Uh, that's not that's not sheet music. That's not chord yeah. charts. That's not nothing. That's you knowing the song inside yeah. and out. Yep. So all that to say, learn the song inside and out. Yeah, man. Especially if it's especially if it's like blues or jazz. And if you don't know it, just be on your toes and listen. Be on your toes, yeah. Because that's that's the best skill, listening to the music. You know, so some of the best musicians I know don't practice that much. They just listen a lot. Mm-hmm. Every time we go and play on uh, Tell Us Three Sixty, I always sign my name up. I don't sing. I just I'm just a, a piano <laughs> yeah. I grab other people. Yeah, and, and we perform yep. together. And oftentimes, whenever I'm performing, it's the first time I'm ever performing. Yeah, that particular piece. Yeah, that's the beauty of it with the open mic. You know, it's low pressure. You know, very low pressure. But you can get some gigs out of it sometimes. You get some amazing gigs out of it. Yeah, it's, I uh, I got to play with one of my one of my better friends now just because I went to Telus and played Jealous. Uh, you know that song? Jealous by who? Jealous Labyrinth, I think. Oh no, I don't know that song. Oh, it's a good song. Oh yeah, a good slow song. Good. Uh, nice. Good tearjerker. <laughs> Oh okay, but um, that's all I uh, first time I've ever seen that piece. Yep, because I knew how to play chords. Yeah, right. Yeah. I just knew I just knew how to read charts. Yeah, and uh, as long as you can do something with your instrument, mm-hmm. you can go up there and play. In in even if you're learning, I, I'll what I should do. I should I should bring one of those old uh, weird instruments that I have and just. Come out with it and play. <laughs> yeah. See what happens. Yeah, people like the weird instruments. People yeah. love the weird instruments. Mm-hmm. Tell me about a time where you had to make a last-minute decision uh, for your band. Um. Okay. So. Hmm. Last-minute decision. You got me stumped here. A make or break. I feel like I only make last-minute decisions. All right, hold on. Let me think. Um, I don't know. I feel like when you're running a band, I mean, stuff happens. Like, people get sick. A lot of times I've got subs, like, last-minute. I don't know. You really got me stumped here, Corrison. <laughs> okay, so so what what's the question one more time? Uh, a time where you had to make a last uh, make or break split second decision. Hmm. Maybe went wrong. Maybe went right. Well, I can tell you about a time where I was playing recently and somebody else made a split second decision. So we were playing a gig in Philly and uh, it was like a pickup gig with a bunch of people that don't necessarily play together. And I guess the drummer was like left off of a group chat. So the drummer never showed up. So luckily we were able to get somebody to show up last minute, but it turns out they forgot their symbols and we're like, it's okay. There's no symbols. We're already late. Let's just play. And they were like, Oh, I don't got my sticks. (laughs) We were like, (laughs) At that point we were like, well, well, I'm not putting this guy under the bus anyway, because he was trying to come bail us out. Right. Just as a drummer. He didn't know he was going to come play a gig. And, what saved the whole gig? He had to run back to his house. He missed half the set. There was a trumpet player on that gig who had crazy tambourine skills. So we didn't have a drummer, but 
he was holding it down on tambourine. And it's mm. just like the tambourine is like an epic instrument. Like if you're Do you know how to play it. If you're a vocalist or a horn player or anybody, like if you shed on tambourine or cowbell or um I don't know, Wiro. <laughs> like if you shed on those, like you you have a super weapon. Or spoons. Spoons. Uh I don't know, man. No. Probably. I don't know. I don't know any good spoon players. I've seen some killer spoon players. But, but you can hold it down like in place of a drummer with just that. You know, and that makes you so much more marketable too. Everybody loves the horn player that will bust will, out a tambourine. Will bust out a tambourine or will go ham on the cowbell. You know? How does one go ham on a cowbell? Uh you don't play the upbeats or the downbeats. You just like you want to sound like you're drunk, you know. Just, just try and sound like you're a cow. Yeah, I'll, I'll show you sometime, Corey. I'll show you how to go ham on the cowbell. Maybe one of these open mics. Maybe. Yeah, man. But that, that's totally a time where I thought we were, I thought we were um, donezo, and we weren't. So it was nice. Tell me uh, one of your most fun experiences playing with a band. Um, fun or funny. Hmm. One of my most fun experiences. I want to make sure I get a really fun one, but I've played. I played so many gigs. It's like hard to. It's hard to nail down. Yeah, it's hard to nail down. Okay, this is one that happened recently. Um, we were playing in Rittenhouse Square, Buskin, and uh, we were getting a good crowd. It was the first time Big Boy Brass ever played at Rittenhouse Square, and uh. One of the trombone players came up to me, my buddy Mick, and he said, "Dude, that's I think that's Dave Batista on that bench there." And I'm like, "I'm like, nah, that's not Dave." And I'm like looking at him, and he's just like this massive dude, and I'm like, "Damn, that's Dave Batista." <laughs> and Mick's like, "I'm gonna go take a picture. I'm gonna go get get, get, I'm gonna go get, get get a picture with him." And I'm like, "Nah, man, like just let him go. Live, you know, let him live." live. And. uh Usually I do like some shtick about how we're trying to get more followers than Chuck E. Cheese. You know, I don't talk a lot, but like I'll try and like say something every now and then when we're busking. I'll be like, yeah, they got 98,000. We need like 96,000 to go. And then we got them, you know. But instead I said we're trying to get more followers than Dave Batista. you know. Like he's all right, but I think we could take him. You know, I didn't even know how many followers he had at the time. Right. And then I walk back to my sousaphone and I'd like eyeball him. And he's just like chuckling, you know. And it was, uh, yeah. He started his live, his IG live, and came up to us, and was like, um, "Gentlemen." And I'm like, "Oh, I'm sorry, man. I'm, I'm sorry, sorry David." <laughs> I, I was just, I was just, you know, I was just joking. He's like, "No, I'm gonna let you plead your case." So he like, I was on his IG live, like telling people why they should follow Big Boy Brass, and this was like so generous of. Dave Batista, because he doesn't post, and he has, like, millions right, of, of followers. Course, yeah. Like, immediately after that video, we just got, like, like before pre-Dave Batista, we had, like, 2,000. Post-Dave Batista, we have, like, almost 4,000. So, it was just, like, sometimes you just get lucky and somebody generously puts you on. He's, like, an A-list celebrity. A-list he's an Avenger. Yeah. He's an actual a- Avenger. Actual Avenger. WWE superstar. Nah, I haven't seen right. any of his movies, so maybe follow Big Boy Brass, you know. Maybe. <laughs> he's, yeah, he's all right, you know. He's, like, massive and stuff and a super nice guy, but follow Big Boy Brass on Instagram. That's, have you ever yeah. had any other run-ins with celebrities? Um, nobody, nobody, like, major. Like, the thing with celebrities, I try and leave them alone. Right, of course. You know. And that, that's what you should do. Yeah, there are people too, and uh, it's probably annoying. Everybody bugging them all the time. So yeah, unless they're in a space where that's like acceptable. Yeah. So don't do it. Yeah, if they approach me, cool. If not, then that's all right. I feel like I've learned that from talking to people that work at Rock Lidditz and Claire because they're always hanging out with like, uh, you know, I'm not going to name any names, but musicians. Yeah. 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 Yeah, my homie Paul Barry, he works there, and he'd, like, tell me about it. But, like, I mean, they just seem so unfazed by um, celebrity, which we should be, you know? Right. It's not It's not good to put people up on a pedestal. No. You're always going to be disappointed. Right. They're just people at the end of the day. 
Yep. Same thing as you and me. Yeah. I mean, I haven't met Daryl Davis or anything, you know, but. But it's a great time. <laughs> it is, I, it's something I, I'm, I'm having to learn as I'm meeting all these crazy people. Uh, crazy as in like a very, very good term. Um, that they're just people. Mm-hmm. And they that they wanted to do something extraordinary, and they did it, and it does it it didn't matter who they were at the time, they decided I want to do this. I don't, I don't, and it always mostly started started off as a passion. Like mm-hmm. I, I want to. The whole reason behind Dale Davis is was a, there was an incident, and when he was ten, uh, marching along, uh, and a, and a Cub Scout. And people just threw bottles and stuff at him because he was the only black black kid in the mm-hmm. Cub Scout uh, regiment, troop, whatever. Uh, I should know this. I'm an Eagle Scout. <laughs> but um, uh, and from that from that experience, he came up with the question: uh, How can you hate me if you don't even know me? Yeah. And that and that, that whole thing led him down this path of you know de-radic- talking to and de-radicalizing KKK members, the National Socialist Movement, which is actual Nazis of America. Yeah. All it, it just started from this passion of his and now he yeah. turned it into his whole career. If wow. you're passionate about something, do it. Yeah. Who's stopping you? Mhm. Right? Yeah. And you can, you can make something out of anything mm-hmm. if you go at it full force. Yeah. Good deal. Good deal. I have one last question for you. All right, nice. How do we encourage each other as musicians? I think the best way is try and make them sound good. Try and tell them what you like about their playing. Um, I got schooled the other night. I was playing with a really excellent drummer, and he was spreading the gospel of the quarter note. And how him and I need to agree on the quarter note before we lay it back or speed up. And the way he did it, you know, he like told me like, I love your energy. You know, I love because I was like, oh, man, I'm sorry. I start I start these songs too fast. And he's like, I love the energy. Like, we just got to agree on the quarter note. And he told me how to shed it. So, I mean, my favorite way to do that personally for other musicians is just to harass them. Like, where's your horn at? Come on, play. Mm. You know, like yesterday on the Telus rooftop, we had like 20 people. You know, we had like eight trombones. And it's just like, just come play. You know, that's what music's here for, to spread community and uh, just spread the joy, you know. Um, so, I mean, I think that's I think that's the best way to spreading is just not not vibe people, mm. you know, just like. Um, I don't know, like. I've met really good musicians that aren't only just really good, but they're like also really nice people. Mm-hmm. And that's just like very refreshing. So, I mean, that, that's the way to do it. So what are some upcoming gigs that you guys have and where can people? Oh man, before we out? wrap this up, I got a question for you, Corey. Oh, Rosen. Yeah. I'm flipping the script. Do it. Who's your, who's your golden goose? Who's like your. Oh, John. Elton John. <laughs> that was quick. Hey, well, anybody who's listening to this podcast knows, knows Elton John. What, like, what are you going to ask Elton John that he hasn't been asked? Um, what am what am what am I gonna? Let's yeah. see. Where do I start? Uh, he's been he's. I just want to hear all the stories he has. Why why uh, after dealing with the drugs, what you know, mm-hmm. what what has he done? With that, what has he done with, with this extra win that he's gotten? What has he done? Uh, how how can he support uh, the you know his his movement, the LGBTQ uh, people? Because of of how how does he educate uh, people on abusive managers and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. Like what what are some of the some of the things that he's done? Uh, there's so, I mean there's so much stuff that I I could ask him. What was the songwriting process behind all of your songs? What, yeah. what you know what what's the actual story there? Mm-hmm. I know he has a songwriter Bernie. Yep. Uh, but was there any collaboration? Was there any times you you uh, he gave you a song and you just said no? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, you know just just learning how he went from uh this child prodigy. To mm-hmm. actually getting out there with yeah. gigs and 
uh, finding that stage name because Ellen mm-hmm. John isn't his actual name. Oh yeah, I've seen Rocket right? Man. Uh, uh, but you know, just how, yeah. and I don't think there's a definitive answer to why he, because uh, I've heard the Rocket Man story isn't true. Yeah, uh, he didn't um, just steal it from his bandmate. Yeah. Okay. So I, I mean, that's I'm, a good good movie story, though. It is a good, well, of course. Yeah. It it's, a, it's a movie. Yeah. Um, but you know, st- stuff like that. So, I, it's, what was it as a kid that really, you know? Got got you in the music in the first place. I know he had a rough childhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what uh, does that draw inspiration for you? Do you do you push that away? Uh, how do you reconcile with a father who hates you, or do mm. you? How do you reconcile that within yourself? Because that's a hard thing to do. Yeah, stuff like that. Yep. And I, I'm sure I'm gonna ask him questions that he's already been asked. But yeah. Well, I hope you do it one day, Corey. I hope I do it one yeah. day too. What's it like to to be able to live wherever you want to <laughs> and go where, go wherever you want? That's yeah, it. he introduced artists to America. Mm-hmm. That's something else. Something else he does. Yeah. Why? How? How? What's the problem? Did you just? Oh, I, I heard this album. I'm gonna just you yeah know, throw them in there. Mm-hmm. Does all this crazy stuff? Yeah, it is. Such a cool person and yeah. amazing music. How'd you get to write a song of Tupac? Yeah, that's he, what he's he's worked with like everybody. Everybody, though. that's yeah. what I, like. I could I could. He's on the Lil Nas X album, like the newest one, that's, isn't he? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I could I could literally ask him about any musician that's ever lived, yeah. uh, and ask him how'd you get to work with him? Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that project? Got a, like from rap to country to blues to uh, what he's done it all. Yeah, and there, I, I'm sure there's so many stories that just haven't been tapped into just because of the amount of life he's lived. Yeah, for sure. Good deal, good deal, Corey Rosen. Well, where can people find you at? Uh, every first and third Sunday of the month, till it gets too cold, on the Telus 360 rooftop in Lancaster. Um, you can follow my bands, Street Beans Band, on Instagram, uh, Big Boy Brass. We post the dates. I don't know when this is published, and like I don't actually even know all the dates off the top of my head. But you know, catch some shows, buy some merch. Corey Rosen's wearing uh the Street Beans merch today, first edition Street Beans merch. So um, get the merch. The merch is fire. And uh, yeah, man, thanks for having me. It was yeah, really man. fun talking to you. I'm sorry, this is probably like the worst episode. This episode sucked. No, it's not. It's it was fun. good when you talked, but when I was talking, it was like. No, you no, know. no. It's fine. You did great, man. Yeah. I you get the, uh, talking about, you know, what is it like to be a, a full-time musician? That's something not a lot of people get to talk about. It's something oh, yeah, it, it, most people it's a hobby. Mm-hmm. You do it full-time. You know the spots. You gig, you busk. Too good to me. Too good to me, stuff. Corey Rosen. No, it, it, you deserve it, man. You yeah. you got it. You got it on lock. Thanks, and I bro. can't wait to see what you guys do in the future. Thank you, man. If you want to uh, follow this podcast and check out all the, all of my guests upcoming and past, you can fo- find us anywhere at just searching up the story Corey Rosen C O C O R Y R O S E N. Tomorrow I have on Kathleen Horian uh, or Horian. I can't remember how it's pronounced. I'm so sorry, uh, but she's a teacher uh, at several colleges in, in this area. Oh. Uh, Claire Netflair, I'm really excited to talk to her, what it's like to, you know, be a classical musician in that aspect and having to teach students. And that's something we kind of didn't really get to touch on that much. Uh, what was, you know, how to teach students? That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> she'll, she'll tell you all about it. Well, with all that said, I hope <laughs> you guys have a wonderful rest of your day, and we'll see you guys later. Peace. Bye.